0: welcome back to the Giddy Up podcast. I'm excited to share our guest with y'all today, Rachel Fuller. Uh, She is inspiring, dedicating her life work to helping others enjoy their lives and reach goals by reworking limiting beliefs and clearing emotional blocks. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, The best part, she's been through it herself. She has personal experiences with anxiety and overcoming that. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um, I wanted to, I always start out with like kind of how we know each other. Um, and I think that we just, we have mutual friends. Cause, and then that's where I led to. Are you from Columbia? No. I felt like you're from Alabama. I am. I'm okay. from North
1: Alabama, but I moved to Columbia, I guess, in 2015, 2016. But. I think we met too through like working through the church yeah
0: yeah we met through the church and then I, then like we just connected had a small yeah. group that
1: only lasted for two meetups i think yes because
0: that's when covid yeah that and COVID our, happened yeah, and yeah i remember that because but we were going strong for we those were going two, strong weeks. two weeks <laughs> we were hitting it hard um so you were from north alabama so how did you land here
1: so whenever i did the world race with kendra Well, did y'all know each other in college? No, not at all. We went to training camp and I was like, you're my person. You're my new best friend. We're going to do this together and only will I survive alongside of you. We do this together. Yeah. And it was, she was like a taste of home to be, because she goes to Florence a lot too, Mm. because she had family that was there. And so we knew a lot of the same
0: places and we had a lot in common. How did y'all get to this? Um, That was on down, but the Amazing Race thing. It's not Amazing Race. What is it called? The World Race. The World Race. Mm -hmm. And it's similar to the Amazing Race. And how did y'all even, like, you were in college?
1: Yes. We were both in college. We both were taking a break from college to do it. I was, like, had a, I don't know, like a, a spiritual awakening moment, I guess, in my life where I was, like, I don't know if I want things to play out the way they're playing out currently in my life and so I was like I've got to do something drastically different and I had recently discovered that I liked being outside and camping I wouldn't say that's true anymore necessarily but at the time I was like I really thrive in being outside mm-hmm. and all of that and I really thrive on helping people and I had done mission work growing up and so I had I think I just oh actually no I ran into two people who had we're headed out for the world race oh, okay. and it was like within a short time. And at that point there weren't that many people doing it.
0: But you have so, to like apply for it. Yeah. you have
1: to apply, you have to fundraise a ton of money. Like, like was
0: it through church or no, no. it was
1: through an organization called aim in Georgia. Oh, okay. And so no, like I knew no one had no, it's interdenominational. So it's not just like with one church. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much like if you believe in God and Jesus, you can apply. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah so Kendra had kind of done the same thing where she had like googled and it came up and we we're like let's do this
0: yeah I guess. <laughs> that's okay, so how long were you on the race like how so long was that it
1: started we had training in I think May of 2010 yeah and then we left in July of 2010 and it lasted 11 months I came back oh from, it was like a year yeah
0: I didn't realize it was that long.
1: Yeah, it was a long, long time. It was a lot. But I came back a few months early because my mom got remarried. And so I came home for her wedding. And at the time, we were working in China. And so I couldn't leave and come back because of just, you know, it could be red flags. But what's this big group doing? Why is this girl leaving and coming
0: back? Yeah. So how many of y'all were there?
1: Oh, gosh. I think at the beginning of the year, there was like 70-something. By the end, there was probably like...
0: Because people left.
1: People left. People got sick. Uh, one couple, I mean, because married couples can do it too. Oh. And one couple got pregnant um, and left. <laughs> yeah, so it was just a lot of things. That's but, crazy. Do they still do that? Yeah, they still do. It's, a, it's way different now than it was then. When we went, you had to, like, give up your cell phone. You mm-hmm. only had internet, like, at an internet cafe, like, once a week, if even that. And it was really roughing it. And I think that...
0: They probably had a hard time finding people that were willing to exactly. do that much. Exactly, yeah. it is not
1: very sustainable for people yeah. either in yeah. their families. Like,
0: yeah, um, that's wild. Cause wh- when did you graduate high school?
1: Two
0: thousand eight. Okay, so it was you were still a baby. When yeah, you, went. you
1: had to be twenty one to go. Kendra turned twenty one when we were on a bus from the Dominican
0: Republic to Haiti. Like, and did y'all come home at all? Like, were you allowed to come home at no. all? Or you were there? If you
1: can't, that's why I had. to, when That's, that's I came why home, you couldn't my mom's go back you come home and stay home
0: and then you couldn't so but you could you talk to your family
1: yeah but only when you're like internet cafes for like an hour every once in a while (laughs)
0: oh my goodness we didn't even like say who Kendra is but Kendra Nolan she is from she's from Columbia or Mount Pleasant Mount Pleasant Pleasant, yeah yeah. and that's your very best friend yeah um but I just that's so intriguing so that's where I think I saw that you'd been to like over 30 countries is that right 30 yeah I and that was by the time like you were like 21, you said.
1: By 20... Well, by 25, I had been to 25 countries or more. Honestly, don't really remember. But my dad is an international pilot, so growing up, he always was like, while you have the opportunity to travel abroad, I want you guys to see different parts of the world. Yeah. And then I had done mission work. He was like, you can see America whenever. Mm-hmm. You can get in your car and go somewhere. When, but, like, while you have this opportunity, I want to do that. And so that really inspired my love of travel. Then I did the world race, and then a couple years later... I backpacked through Europe for the summer, so then I hit a lot of
0: like who did you do that with? One friends? of my
1: best friends from Montgomery <laughs> named Laurel. We so, were just parents. you and another girl? Yeah. It's real the world is just not as wild and scary <laughs> as people think it is. Like it's so people are so kind. Like I've run into so many situations where like I would just be stranded on a street in a random country if it wasn't for some random person being like, She looks like she's lost. I can yeah, help, her. I can help and her people help. So
0: That is and was your, were your parents worried about you no <laughs> they we were
1: always asked that and my parents are just very like spread your wings and fly yeah <laughs> like they just and I think too because my dad traveled so mm-hmm. much for work then he had seen similar things or he was like the world is not unsafe as we think it is like that's so good to hear
0: It's really not.
1: The world is so much safer. Because I've not been anywhere. There's so much more kind people than you would ever believe. Like, I just, it's honestly unbelievable. Everywhere I've went, I've run into people who are willing to help out and just be like, even directions. The only place I've ever not had a lot of help from people is France.
0: (laughs) Well, and then like, you're all these places and do you speak any other languages? No. So you just had to, and you didn't have a phone. For some of those yeah. places, so you couldn't like even like translate.
1: Yeah, when we were on the world race, we usually worked with we usually had like a translator that we worked with a lot. So, but were you like was it like a show? Like y'all were like it wasn't a show. No, you blogged. So we had to blog, and that was a part of like the requirements, and that's part of like sharing our testimonies for people back home, and also part of like sharing the stories of the people there. So sometimes we'd like write blogs and be, like if you feel like called to help this group then you Mm -hmm. can so it also helped fundraise for local churches or local
0: outreaches and oh okay okay that's crazy (laughs) but what like that's that's so cool that you have that experience and that it gave it gives you continues to give you faith in other people because of like to me I'm like scared to go places because I've never been yeah so I'm like I'm scared to go because I've never been and it doesn't have to be like that
1: Yeah, I'm very thankful for it. But I will say that I have more fear sometimes, like, in the U.S. than I do in other countries. And I don't know if that's – like, I think maybe it's just part of, like, how I was raised. I was Mm -hmm. always kind of raised to be very cautious and aware and, like, everybody's out to get you. But then that hasn't been my experience overseas, so it's just, like, a different mindset.
0: Yeah, because, I I mean, that's how I am. I'm, like, very cautious, very – I don't know. But what is your connection to China?
1: Okay, so whenever I went or whenever I was not in China with the world race because I had to leave, I always felt like at some point in my life I'm going to be going back to China. Um, That was just, I think maybe that was my coping mechanism to leave and be okay with Mm -hmm. leaving. Um, But then my now husband, Austin, whenever he was graduating college, I'm older than him, so I'd already graduated. We both love to travel, and we both – got certified to teach English overseas. So, whenever he graduated college, we're like, let's go abroad together. Let's go somewhere and work. And it was either China or the Middle East. And I was like, team Middle East, because I was just like, I wanted warm weather. Really, it was all about the weather. I was like... Oh, I don't even know what
0: it's... What's it like in China? Like, I don't even know.
1: It's similar to here, except they don't have heaters, like, inside. Oh. So, in the winter, it's really cold. And the pollution's really bad, and the sky's really gray, you don't see the sun mm-hmm. very much. You never see, like, stars and moon, really. Wow. So, yeah, it's really crazy. But um, he and I had talked, and he was like, Rachel, you will not survive in the Middle East. Like, you are not a rule follower. Like, mm-hmm. you are not – especially when it comes to being, like, you're a female, like, walk behind me or, you know, that kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. That's not really my vibe. Yeah. So, he was like, no. And his brother and sister-in-law had lived in China. So – We went to China somewhat together. I actually went before him because my contract started before him. And we were, like, five hours apart. So we were in different cities. So I went by myself. But we knew with what we were doing and, like, we wanted to go somewhere somewhat together. But we knew with what we were doing, we wouldn't be focused if we, like, went to the same city. Yeah. like, oh, I love you. I love you, too. And, like, you know, it's your only comfort. So we would have Mm -hmm. really, like, probably clung too close and not, like,
0: helped other people and
1: fully experienced it. So we went to different cities. But... I lived in China for a year and worked there, and that was an experience. I mean, there are things that I loved about it, but things that were very difficult.
0: I just can't even – I can't imagine. Like, and so when you did that, you you worked through somewhere, and so that's how you, like, had a living – a place to live and stuff? Like, that you felt safe?
1: Yes. See, I'm all about safety. I'm like, were you safe? I would say I'm not – I feel like people think I'm super brave, and I'm not. I'm just the type of person who like rips the band-aid off and I'm like, I know it hurts and I'm scared like terrified. I cried the whole way to China. Literally the entire flight, which is and like you signed yourself hours. up for
0: it. You're and like, oh, I, I did, did this. this. Yeah.
1: But I cried the whole way, like, what was I thinking? Well, because oh, you're
0: going gosh. there knowing you're gonna be by yourself. I mean yeah. he was gonna be there five hours away, so you're gonna yeah. be by yourself. And he
1: in my first month I was like completely by myself because he was still in the United States. Um, but I was just like, What have I done? But, anyways, I went. But the way that I went is I got certified to teach English, and then I just applied to different jobs and did like online interviews, got offered some jobs. I took a job that was closest to the city that we knew he was going to be working with because he actually went through an organization that his brother had been through. So he, like, knew people. Yeah. He actually went to a city where he had friends, yeah. which is not my situation. What a luxury. Yeah. I know. It was such a luxury. When I would go visit, I was like, it's so nice here. Look at all you, fr- all yeah, your you friends Yeah, you know people. Community. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I went, and I think I, might have, I shared some of this on my Instagram stories, but when I went, I talked to a female the whole time, and she was supposed to, like, pick me up from the airport, and then once I got there, I got there in the middle of the night, so exhausted, because like I said, I cried mm-hmm. the whole way, and it's like 20 hours of flights or something, and I arrive, and two men are there to pick me up, and it's like midnight, or one o'clock in the morning there, and I was like, what the heck, I remember that I used the airport's Wi-Fi, and I like sent my dad a picture, as though my dad was like Liam Neeson or something, yeah, like I was he's gonna be able to, yeah. yeah, I was like, here's the tag on this car, <laughs> It's two men that are actually picking me up. So, like, wish me luck and say your prayer. <laughs> and I like, sent it and left. Because then they told us that we we're going to have to spend the night in that city. And it's actually the now infamous Wuhan. That's mm-hmm. the city I flew into and where I had to spend the night. And I was like, if these men think I'm spending the night in their hotel room, they have got another thing coming. Because, You're like, by I'm, yourself. I'm yeah, like, I was so, I mean, I was really scared at that point, but I also knew that I would, like, stand up for myself. I would, like, You were how old? I was, like, 25 at this point. (laughs) But, I mean, I would – I don't know. I feel like I could have taken them. I'm not a fighter, and I'm not very strong, but I have a lot of, But, like, did they speak English? Yes, one of them did. okay. Yeah, he – and so, like, they got me my own hotel room. It wasn't an issue, but –
0: that's just where your mind went when you saw them picking you up. You're like, no, this is not. This
1: is not what I signed up for. Where is like, Lucy or whoever I was talking to
0: on the phone Lucy. the whole time,
1: the girl <laughs> that told me she was going to come meet me. I mean, because they told me up until the point that, like, she was picking me up. And then I was like, this is not her.
0: That, I see. I would have been anxious about meeting Lucy, much less two men. <laughs> yeah. I
1: would have been like, no. No, I was like, Lucy's already given me a job. She seems to really like me. It'll be fine. But, and it was fine. It
0: was really fine. But you stayed there for a year. Yes. Okay. And Austin was five hours away, and then did y'all – y'all got closer together, or he stayed? like He stayed there, but we would visit. Like, okay. We would – yeah. And yeah,
1: then, we y'all, visit. then y'all
0: came back here?
1: Well, then I came back here. He stayed in China for, like, six more months. He actually had another contract, and so he was going back for another year. But then my mom got breast cancer, and I got super sick around, like – in the midst of all of that, mm-hmm. and so then he, of course, is like he knew he had to get his yeah. Butt back. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was 2015, 2016. And when I came back from China, I moved to Tennessee. Oh, okay. that's my first
0: move to Tennessee. Okay. And your, but your family's still in Alabama, and is his family from Alabama too? Or how do you know him?
1: So we met. I worked at a coffee shop at his college. Oh, okay. And so we met at a coffee shop.
0: Sweet, yeah, sweet. <laughs> Um, so all of that led you to like where you're at now, and then you were working for the church, and then after that you started. That's like when COVID all started, or, or was it? No, it was a little bit before that. And then you started uh, embrace this place with the the coffee yes. and all of that, and then I guess walk us through that. So is that what yeah. came first? I'm trying
1: to think. So it all actually started when I was in the World Race, and it's really crazy. I didn't think about it, but or I didn't think about it until I was actually in China. So in 2010. I have like a prayer journal from when I was on the world race and I was just like literally in the middle of Africa, like nothing, like God, what am I doing with my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? So lost. And cause I was honestly, part of me thought like, there is no way I'm going to survive the world race. I'm definitely going to die during this. Like, I don't know why I thought that I just didn't think past the world race. My mind was just like, this is it probably gonna die like there's no way I'm coming back because I did know it was dangerous mm-hmm. you know I knew there were things that could happen but um then I came back alive and I was like what oh, the heck I have purpose <laughs> yeah. after the world race yeah like I've got to think think through but when I was on the world race I was like filling out a prayer journal and that's when I actually came up with a name embrace this place and I had that and I like had this little drawing of like future coffee shop and working with nonprofits and all of that and at this point in my life I've never worked at a coffee shop at all I have no experience and I was just like wow that's super cool then fast forward I worked at a coffee shop I became a supervisor of two coffee shops like running them and I completely forgotten this prayer journal completely Mm. forgot any of the embraces place stuff like I just came back and had other things in my mind and life and so completely forgot that even happened until I was in China and I was in China, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do after China? And I actually – so one of my best friends was living with my parents at the time, or living with my dad and stepmom. And I was like, Dakota, can you go find uh, – I have, like, a prayer journal. I was like, don't read through it. I'll tell you – I remember about what About it where was. it was, yeah. Yeah, but, like, don't read through it, <laughs> please. I was like, can you flip through it, though? Because I feel like there's this, like, picture drawn out, this, like, coffee thing. And so – she looks at it, and at that point I had a blog called Embrace This Place. So I had held on the name, but I had completely forgot about, like, the coffee situation. And um she, like, sends me a picture of my journal entry, and I was like, I'm going to do it. So when I came home from China, I was going to do a coffee shop. And then, you know, you come home, and I, there was just a lot of readjusting for me and just processing. And also, you come back to... Tennessee, after being gone for so long, it mm. felt like, and there's coffee shops everywhere. So I was like,
0: "What the heck?" Am you didn't I feel thinking? as confident in your. I was like, yeah.
1: "I'm not opening a coffee shop. I'm not competing with Muletown. Like yeah. I love, Mule, you yeah. know, like yeah. I love Buckhead. I love Muletown. I yeah. was like, I'm not coming here and doing a coffee shop." So. I was like, no, this is not for me right now. So, then I did something completely different. And... But I was like, I know that I'm supposed to be in Tennessee. Like, I knew that that was just something... I've always said I was going to live in Tennessee. But then, fast forward, I kept putting that off. I kept thinking, like, I'm not... Honestly, it was like, I'm not prepared enough. I don't know enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it yet. Because I was very, like, intimidated and just didn't feel like I had what it took. And so, then... My job, in the meantime, when I was working, I worked at Zion Christian Academy. Then that took me to be an intern in Costa Rica. And when I was in Costa Rica, once again, coffee. Mm-hmm. Not even expecting the coffee situation there. But then I learned about the Torreador, which is their pour-over method through mm-hmm. the cotton. And then I came home, and I was like, that was the best coffee I've ever tasted. I'm going to make one of these for myself and, like, for my mom. And so started doing that. Made those, and that's from Braces Place Coffee Started. My mother-in-law is the sweetest thing. She was like, that's so cool, because I used their equipment at their mm-hmm. farm to make the coffee boxes. And she was like, you should sell these. She has uh, an event. Mm-hmm. It's called, like, the Back 40 Barn Picking. And so she has an event where people come, and it's a vendor event. And she was like, make them and see if people will buy them. Like, you can sell coffee, yeah. and then you can see if people will buy them, and then... I think maybe the second show we did we like sold out and it was just like oh there's something here yeah there's something here and so that's how all of the coffee stuff evolved and it was kind of like it's definitely and a do lot you of still do distance. like vendor things like i don't do many vendor events honestly because they take a lot of time yeah. and like it's very niche like the coffee boxes are very niche but right now i have them for sale so my mother-in-law has the back 40 store that she opens in alabama since like outside of decatur alabama and then there's uh, YogaMutt's Movement Lounge in East Nashville. They sell my coffee boxes. Needle and Grain, of course, in Columbia. Mm-hmm. They sell my coffee boxes. And then the Edge Hill Mercantile, which is on 12th Avenue in Nashville. They sell my coffee boxes. So you're so, like everywhere.
0: Like I mean, you're I spread mean, I'm out. not everywhere, but you're spread yeah. out. Like they're it's
1: available good. for people to buy yeah. for sure. And it's so I don't spend as much of my time trying to sell them as mm-hmm. I do making them and like keeping them stocked, stocked. and stuff. Yeah. yeah
0: and then you went from well you're you're so you're constantly still doing that and then what got you into i know what brought me to get you was the eft like that's what fascinated me was like the eft stuff and i'd i think probably didn't even know about it until i saw you talking about it and then i started looking into it and i talked to my therapist about it and things like that but i still don't know a ton about it so give us like an introduction
1: okay introduction to eft eft stands for emotional freedom technique I actually started doing EFT because of my coffee business, because I could tell that I was, like, stopping myself and holding myself back from growing because I was getting into the the same, like, limiting beliefs of, like, why would I do this? Other people are doing this. There's, Mm -hmm. like, thinking there's not enough, like, desire for for that. Yeah, Yeah, there's just – there's other people who could do it better. And I've really – and I also had a lot of, like, limiting beliefs around – money and Mm. a lot like I grew up with the thinking that like money is the root of all evil and like if you're going after money then like you're a bad person and then it's like actually the quote is like the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil which is like a bit different than Mm. the like the mindset is just very different behind that and so I went into EFT because I was doing a lot of personal development about how to grow my business and how to work on my own, like limiting beliefs. And not cause I knew it was me that was holding me back. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that I could do great things and I could be successful, but I kept stopping myself. Like every time I would have something, I would just be like frozen with anxiety or fear of like, what if I look like an idiot? You know. Were like, you
0: in therapy or something that helped you to realize this? Or you just realized this on your own eventually?
1: Well, I, re- so <laughs> I realized it on my own, but I had done like over 20 years of therapy and I actually went back to therapy for, like, one session during 2020. And it was a terrible experience. So, anybody that's trying therapy, if you have a terrible experience, please keep trying. Like, yeah. there are better people out yeah. there and better fits and stuff. But after that, I was like, heck no. I'm not doing this. I'm, like, looking for alternative methods. And so, then um, I was really in, like, personal development stuff that led me to EFT and start working with a practitioner. And after only three sessions of working with a practitioner, I was like, this is what I want to do. Because I had originally, I'd gone to school for psychology and then I had wanted to do counseling, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I don't know, like someone who has gone through a lot of trauma and has these, their own struggles, I was like, I'm not sure that I could like handle that or I would take everyone else's stuff home Mm -hmm. with me. So with EFT, it was a way for me to help people. And because I'm guiding people as they're tapping, even if something were to, like, be triggered in me, then I'm literally tapping along with them. So I'm able to work through that on my own Mm -hmm. as I'm helping my client. So I love it. But EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, you tap on different acupressure points. The science behind it, which is – Newer that people are actually having research on it before it was very woo woo, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with woo woo. Like I'm good with that. Like I have. Well, like I was
0: whenever I brought it up to my therapist, I was like, "What I'm about to ask you is, you know, like because yeah, I was theory. like, yeah, and and she was like, "I'm so glad you asked me because I've been thinking about it." And then she was like, "But I was afraid to talk to you about it." Yeah. And so we were both afraid to talk. I don't know. It's yeah,
1: because it's very like non-traditional. Yeah. Which I'm the type of person who, I feel like I've tried a lot of different things. So. I'm open to the yeah. more traditional cause I'm like, whatever works. Like I trust it. Like, so I started doing EFT. It was so good. But the way EFT works is when our brain, it's like neural pathways where we think a thought and it goes straight to an emotion and our brain goes into this like fight or flight or freeze, all these different responses our body's giving us based on this thought And what we're doing with EFT is when you're tapping on the acupressure points, it's calming your nervous system. So your body, when you have like a mental thought that's leading you to anxiety, and then your body's getting another signal from the tapping that like, no, it's calm and it's safe, which is what tapping does, your body will choose to listen to the physical rather than the mental. Like it will override, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because if your body is feeling physical comfort, then it overrides the mental discomfort. So by doing that, like where you... If you think of like a bridge, it pretty much like breaks down that bridge between the thought and the anxiety and creates a disturbance there by being like, wait, no, but I am safe. And then it can lead it to people having more calm.
0: So it's a... But it's a practice that you should do like daily or is it like a tool that you should use when you're feeling or is it both?
1: Both. So... I think EFT can be used every day for if you're using it in specific ways so for example even when I was coming here today like riding in the car I was like which I probably not the safest thing to tap while you're riding in the car but I do it Um, so sorry but I was like tapping on the way here just to calm myself Mm -hmm. and that is something it's a calming technique that you can use whenever at any time that you feel a disturbance EFT with a practitioner is a bit different because when you're working, when I'm working with clients, we spend a lot of time kind of digging into the root of where that came from and then we're tapping on like past traumas or limiting beliefs and you're putting yourself in a state of discomfort to break it Mm -hmm. and it's not helpful to continue to put yourself back in that state. So you don't want to do that kind of tapping routinely because that would be putting yourself in this like, state of discomfort just repeatedly like yeah yeah. exactly and putting it on repeat is just it actually makes the neural pathway stronger and so what you're trying to do is weaken and break down that neural
0: so much science
1: it's really crazy because it was very woo woo and when it started out they were just like it was honestly um an american psychologist was working with someone and so they weren't getting help for this person and they had tried all of the traditional methods so then they started uh studying acupressure and happened to use that on one of the clients to see if the acupressure points would help and it helped them within one session and so over phobias and stuff Mm -hmm. it's very very powerful
0: so how often do you like with a client how often do you meet with them or is it just like an as needed everybody's different kind of thing
1: um so i've actually restructured my health format for clients at the beginning i was doing single sessions and I realized that people, signal sessions worked for me, but people often need more support. I mean, we all do, really. But, like, I saw with my clients the more often I was seeing them or that they had the kind of the accountability mm-hmm. and checking back in and making it a part of their life. It's almost like going to the gym, you know? Like, if you have a trainer meet with you one time to show you how the things work and then you never see them again... It doesn't push you as much as if you have, like, a time set that you've got to show up. Somebody's got to check in, yeah. Yeah, the checking in really helps. So, now I have things set up in an 8-week, 16-week, and 20-week. And, like, in the 8-week program, that is every other week we have a 2-hour session. So, sessions are 2 hours. They're pretty.
0: And is it virtual?
1: It's virtual, yeah. I do all of my sessions. So,
0: every other week, 2 hours. That is a lot.
1: It is. Is but, I mean, it's
0: like you get there, you're focused, and then you can really unpack a lot within the two hours. Yeah, and
1: then you don't think about it afterwards, really. Like, it's – then after, it's just, like, chill and relax. And the reason it's two hours is the first 45 minutes I do intake. And so, with tapping, you do a script that you're tapping with. And the tapping script is most beneficial. Research has shown that you get the best results and the longest-lasting results if you use the client's exact words. And – if you're, like, right – like, so if you were to say something in your words, I don't need to translate it to my own mm-hmm. words. Like, when you're tapping, it's best if it's in your own words. So the first 45 minutes, I'm doing intake for how someone's feeling, how they would rather feel. Like, we get to the root of kind of where that first started, and then we take a 15-minute break, and then the last hour we tap.
0: Okay. Oh, that's a – so the last hour you tap the whole time. Yeah. Do you do the whole, like, like, such and such as a color and – all of that, so is that that's part of the script?
1: So it's not part of the script. What I usually do is we'll tap on a script, and yeah. before we start, we will check in on like what the discomfort level is based yeah, on what the number, we and then yep, and then we do tapping. And then based on how much lower that number is, kind of depends on whether I will go back into the script or whether I'll be like, okay, how do you know that that's in your body? and then you describe as far as it. Feeling or, you know, a color, texture. Have you had
0: people, like, um, that were on medicines or anything that have, like, gotten away from medication?
1: So I never, I'm not a medical expert. Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor. I am not licensed to give anyone any medical (laughs) advice ever. So I don't, but I will say, like, I can speak for myself that I was medicated and... I've gone down to a fourth of the medication that I was currently on when I started. And
0: how long do you think you've been doing this? Well, over a year. Oh, okay. Guess,
1: yeah. And I will say that when I first started, I was like, I feel so great. And so I went cold turkey off medication and that is not that's a not smart idea. idea. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, but I understand, you know, I felt so much better and I had such relief, but Your body, if you're on a medication, that's never you always need to work with your doctor. Were you
0: um, meeting with your practitioner like every other week or whatever? Like, you were doing it that often to feel that good, or no?
1: No, so that's I did a but I will say I was very desperately motivated, Mm -hmm. so I was doing a lot of tapping on my own. I met with a practitioner uh, like once a month or two, and also I was working through some really heavy trauma where I felt like I needed some time in between
0: mm-hmm. that's but you no longer do like therapy but do I, you, just, do you just I meet
1: with a practitioner still like I have an EFT practitioner that I still meet with oh, okay. but it's just not on a regular basis but that's
0: not like your mentor like that is that's for you like you're doing that mm-hmm. for you because mm-hmm. you're already certified to do this on your own yeah oh, okay and then how do you go about getting clients just it's actually or is EFT like is it widely known now, or do you? No, know? I mean it is in other very... parts of the world. It's okay. a lot
1: more common in other parts of the world. Um, like in Australia, there's a lot of research done out of Australia, and so in Australia, even um, organizations that cover like mental health, they pay for people with PTSD to like get EFT therapy. Mm. It's like now approved in a lot of places, so EFT is known in other parts of the world. But you know, we're behind we're in little, the U.S. Yeah. We're a little bit weary of woo-woo yeah. things or non-traditional types of help, and so it makes sense that
0: we're a little bit further. Have you anxious. helped any kids?
1: I haven't. I don't. I don't aim to work with children. I love children so much, and I will say there's like little books for kids. Like mm-hmm. I've given to my friends like their children, like little yeah. books that are just very simple because you. It's really you want to simplify that, and I also think that children's minds are still being made up so just tapping in general I think can be good just like calm their emotions well, like but- I don't
0: understand enough of it you know like I haven't done enough research mm-hmm. and all of that so but I do like know if I do feel anxious or something I have like tapped before like on certain points and yeah. it does I kind of thought of it as like it was distracting me from what I was thinking but it's like you're saying it's like a it's disturbing or disrupting that pathway yeah, yeah. But see like I just don't understand all that so it's yeah. but that's what I've done in the past and like different people have different points that they like better right or that work better
1: yes well I would say that work better so I use all of the nine clinical EFT tapping points whenever I'm working with a client there are certain times it's very interesting to me even when I do like my discovery calls which is like the th- the free call that I do with people and show them how to tap on their own those calls are very interesting because I'll have people with such different responses. Like, for me, the eyebrow point is the one that is, like, I, when I first tapped on the, like, exact acupressure point there, I had, like, chills up my head. Like, it was Mm. crazy, and it was, like, I think this is really unusual, and it was, I think that that point, it was, had to do with, like, releasing, like, fear and trauma and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, oh, interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for me. Um, But it's always different. When I talk to different clients, they have different responses to different points, but I still always go all the way through the all the points, whatever. And how happening. how
0: long is a discovery call? They're
1: thirty minutes. Thirty minutes, yeah.
0: And so that's how you. Well, that's what we were asking. I was asking about how you get EFT clients. Like, how do you?
1: So that's how. I mean, I get referrals from other people, mm-hmm. other clients that I've worked with, and then I usually meet people through a discovery call and see kind of what their goals are. For some people, if they're just curious, it's like book a discovery call. And if you are not wanting to work with a practitioner right now. That's fine. Like, I'm happy to even point them to, like, free YouTube videos that I'm, like, you said this is something you want to work on. Here's a great mm-hmm. YouTube video. I use Brad Yates a lot, like, even for myself. I know how to tap on my own without a self-guided video. But, like, if I'm going to bed and tapping at night, then I'll tap with the Brad Yates video because I don't necessarily want to create my own script yeah. for myself at that time. I'm just, yeah. like, tapping to relax. Um, but, yeah, I think that tapping like you can use it for anything it can be for something very to calm yourself right then or to like work through some serious beliefs yeah
0: um I guess so you are you work remote like out of your out of your own house and everything so how do you like stay motivated and productive and make sure that you are kind of maintaining the same
1: yes I will say that really the thing that I think has helped me is like with my tapping then I have Become a lot more gracious with myself, and realize like I want to take inspired action and not like grind. Like I mm-hmm. used to always like just grind and push myself through. Like most of my life, I was just grinding away, and I was I was always hard worker. I've always been a hard worker but it was just so exhausting and kind of miserable. Like Mm -hmm. even when I like reached goals, I wasn't happy because I was like so exhausted and just by the time you got there. Yeah. And thinking about like, here's the next thing that I need to do already, you know, already like, Oh, I'm so tired. I accomplished this now. I just got to do this. So really, um, I work with a business mindset coach that I really like and that helps me to check in and then tapping. And really it's just, trying not to push myself and being like, it's not that I have to do this. I get to do this Mm -hmm. and really reframing my own thoughts in the way that I'm doing stuff of like, this is what I love. This is what I'm excited about. This is, you know, 10 years ago to know that I could work for myself from home,
0: helping people like, and loving it and
1: loving it and being my own boss. That was like, what? That's unbelievable, you know? And so being able to do that and just checking in with myself and also allowing myself to rest when I need it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that what does that look like? Oh, like hardcore rest. Like, curled up on the couch taking naps. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I definitely... Because
0: I'm not good about that. Like, that's what I struggle with. And, like, even just this whole podcast thing. Like, I'm excited about it. And it it's fun. I'm not mm-hmm. making... I'm making zero dollars, obviously, right now. And so, it, there's a lot that... I have to put into myself to be motivated to want to do it. And it is yeah. taking up my time. You know, I get three days a week with without cash. Yeah. <laughs> I get five hours. And I'm using a lot of my time to do that. But it's like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. But mm-hmm. I I find myself guilty of that too, where I get to the, I've done whatever. And then I'm like, well, I can't even, like I've edited this episode and I don't even like it anymore. Because I've listened to it so many times and it's so much work. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's like trying to find the balance of like enjoying something. And not, like, burnout, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and I've, like, lived my whole life in burnout. I Me feel too, like. yeah. Like, I just... Just was... tired. Like, I'm just yeah. tired. Because I'm yeah. just always
0: trying to get as much... To... I mean, like, even today I woke up and I was, like, I'm overwhelmed with clutter. Like, at my house. I'm, like, these closets. Like, our house is tiny. Our closets are tiny. I'm just, like, I want to throw everything away. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, like, well, I can't do that today. Because I've got to do X, yeah. Y, and Z. But I'll get distracted and want to do other th- I don't know I don't yeah. know
1: I mean I understand I used to really struggle with resting because I grew up in a family that didn't rest like I remember waking up like every day of the week time mom like banging pot and pans, mm-hmm. pots and pans like four in the morning like waking up to do the dishes and I'm just like
0: why yeah. why
1: are you doing this why is this, this way and it wasn't actually until Kendra and I became friends which is such a weird thing she may be like Rachel why are you sharing the story but like Kendra would like lay in the bed and watch Netflix in the bed on her laptop. And this was when we were in our 20s, but I was like, wait, what? Like, in my life, I had never laid in the bed. Like, my family. Like, you I, just
0: slipped there. You slept like, I'm not going to go. And you are
1: up. When you wake, when your eyes open, you hop right out of the bed and you get moving. Like, my family had just never laid around. And when I met Kendra, and like, you know, Kendra, she is like a hustler. Like, she yes. works so hard. But like, I remember when I. Like, she opened my eyes to the world of, like, laying down. She'd be like, I can put my makeup on in bed. Why not? And I was like, that's so smart. Like, you can relax a little bit. And so, she opened my eyes, like, resting. And I think it wasn't until, I was, like, later in my 20s where I ever even slept well. Like, I just did I was always on the go. And then even, I think... I don't know, probably last year. I really got into a rhythm. I made myself get into the rhythm that, like, Rachel, if you're going to want to wake up early and go to bed late, then you're going to take a nap every day. And Mm -hmm. I have, like, a really good eye mask. And I know most people say they can't nap.
0: No, I love to nap. I
1: was like, I understand that people But can't. why is there,
0: like, shame in napping? There's shame. Like, be where no I'm like, shame. I don't want everybody to know that I nap, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I do. Like, even Cash is outgrown naps. He doesn't nap, but I still will take a nap. I'll yeah. just turn something on, and I'm like, you're doing this, and I'm going to sleep for yeah. 45 minutes. I
1: think naps are amazing, especially, like, for a mom. You have to be honest so much the of the whole day. The whole day, yeah. You need to take a break. Like, and if you can break your day up into two parts, it just makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't fall asleep. To have like 20, 30 minutes where I have on my eye mask and like some soothing music and I'm laying down and I get back, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. And that's of the a discipline day.
0: too, just to be intentional about putting on the eye mask and doing the music yeah. and not like sitting on your phone or like exactly. sitting down to watch something yeah. or whatever. And I
1: have to create rhythms like that for myself because my body, like when people say they can't take a nap, it's because they haven't created a rhythm. Because I get it. Like if I just word it up one day and be like, I'm going to take a nap now and went lay down my body would be like, heck no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Like, it would just go through a list of all things I need to do, but I use, like, the Headspace app, and then I use, like, the ThinkUp app, which are just apps that have, like, guided meditations or something where I'm having to somewhat engage my mind, but it's purposeful to, like, make me fall asleep mm-hmm. or relax, and then that helps me to actually... And do
0: you, like, set an alarm so you don't oversleep, or you just, like, let your... Self-sleep. I set
1: an alarm usually. I mean, there'll be some days where I'll be like, no, I'm not setting an alarm. Like whatever happens here happens. Yeah. But I usually don't, even if I did that, I usually don't sleep more than an hour.
0: Yeah. That's about, that's about how much I could sleep. But it's because I'm, I know that he's here. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get up, give back up and do something. Yeah.
1: Whenever I watch Kendra's kids, I absolutely love it because they've like, Oaks has always known. I hope it's okay. I'm sure it's fine. Um, but Oaks won't nap for other people he will always nap for me because my whole life anytime he stayed with me he knows like he calls me tita and I'm like he knows that if he's with his tita his tita like we nap like religiously yeah Yeah. like the same as people brush their teeth that's how we nap like I I, there's not a time he's ever visited me where we didn't nap like wherever we are a nap is that's gonna happen yeah like does Austin nap He's gotten more into napping. He'll nap sometimes, not as much as me, but he definitely
0: But do you think some people just need it more than others? Like I like the way you said like dividing your day up into two parts. Like that that's a good example. It's like okay, I've made it to halfway and I'm gonna do the rest of my day. I think
1: I think some people probably do I think it probably depends I think it depends on how late you want to yeah stay and up how and do how you rest you and how, how well do you rest at night yeah. and how things. well do you sleep and then like I'm really big on like women tracking their cycle and so it's like different parts of your cycle you have different levels of energy and if you're in like the sleepy part of your cycle then you should definitely like because sometimes during the more like energetic part of my cycle I just skip out on my naps because mm-hmm. I'm just like Take advantage of this, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm feeling good, I have like really high energy, but then when I'm like, my sleepy time, I'm, like that's when I'm more like, take like a long nap uh, and I'll allow that space. And How for do you stay
0: like so in tune with all of that? I have trackers on my so phone, so you just try to keep up with everything, yeah, yeah. I track
1: everything on my phone, and I mean, even scheduling this, which this you may be like, Rachel, you're so crazy, <laughs> but even scheduling this, I there's like certain times when you're better at communicating and speaking, and I was like, I want to make sure that I schedule that for that part of my cycle
0: oh like I need to know more about that like that's what I I need to like it's very interesting
1: and there's times that are better for like where it's more important to rest and it's more important for planning more important for like creating content and it's very interesting like I feel like if more people
0: were in tune with their body mm -hmm. with that it would be helpful
1: yeah women would be much happier in their lives. I honestly well, think because then you
0: can give yourself the grace when you need it And more. push yourself
1: when you know it's time to like
0: to go. and go. Yeah. A lot
1: of people question themselves about like, well, maybe I should push myself or am I being lazy? You know, well, I feel like a lot of women question themselves about whether they're being lazy. That's what I do. Yeah, or whether they actually need the rest. Or am I tired? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to be like, when do I do it? But for me, tracking my cycle, I will be like, oh, I'm not lazy. My body just needs more rest at this time. And then other times I'll be like, no I'm not a mean person and or no my husband's not the worst this yeah. is just not this hormones. Is why I'm feeling yeah,
0: yeah. well now like I have thyroid issues too and so like all of my my hormones and my thyroid and everything are just so it would really benefit me to know more about that probably. yeah
1: it, I really I started tracking my cycle gosh probably like almost 10 years now
0: oh yeah so it's been a learning thing it's
1: yeah I've learned but it's really I mean there's apps now it's just really not difficult. That's so
0: much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess what is your giddy up? Like what keeps you going every day?
1: I think my giddy up is definitely helping people. Like Mm -hmm. I love helping people and I, and not just helping people. I love to see people feel empowered and feel better and make progress in their lives. Like one of the things growing up and like doing the world race, even I was all, I've always wanted to help people. It's always been, my goal to help other people and then whenever I went to Costa Rica before I went and did an internship there they had me read this book called helping without hurting anyone who cares about like helping people overseas or even in your own cities that is like the number one read I think like you must do it. it's like the leader's guide of um, helping without hurting but it talks about how People, like, oftentimes, especially coming from the United States, we think about helping people, like, giving them something, you know, Mm -hmm. like, giving them something. In reality, to give someone a tool or teach someone something where they can then use that tool to help themselves and to help their community, like, that helps them have, like, more self-worth, that helps self-confidence, that helps, like, long-term growth. And so, I love to help people, but really, I love to, like, help people help themselves. That's... I just love to see that. Because then you step away and they're still, like, growing. Able to grow, yeah. Yeah. And they don't feel reliant on you. Like, I never want someone to feel like, like, even with my clients, I give them the tools. Like, we work together. But I'm like, this is your session. Like, I am facilitating this session. And I'm giving the tools to do this. Because I want, like, people to finish out with their programs with me. And maybe come back if they have something come up. You know, like a sporadic thing mm-hmm. but not feel like they need to keep meeting with me like I want them to like spread their wings and fly yeah
0: yeah you want to get them started and get them on the right path and then where you, so you don't think that EFT has to be completely with a practitioner like you don't have to maintain that
1: no I don't think I mean here's a I know some people who meet with a practitioner regularly and have done so it's an investment
0: it's, it's, it's an definitely investment. an investment I don't know like a ton about it but that's what I yeah, I mean, anything mental health-related is an it's investment. An investment.
1: And when you're doing something that, like, people are having their own practice and they're, like, getting certified themselves and don't necessarily have the same, I don't know, community mm-hmm. as, like, counselors and things like that, yeah. and they are, like, fully backing themselves, then those are things are more expensive. It's like mm-hmm. with any kind of holistic health or any alternative treatment. It tends to be more because there's more...
0: To it on their end. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, no, I think there's some people who will continue to do it because working with a practitioner is easier for them. And if if finances aren't a thing, then Mm -hmm. pay for it forever. Like, you can definitely do it. But even with me, I don't meet with my practitioner unless something comes up for Mm -hmm. me that's pretty big because she's given me the tools. And with me doing my certification and all of my training – I have all the tools to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. It's more so, do you want to be guided? Or if there's something that's heavier. So people that have gone through like traumas, people that, ha- even if it's not, a lot of times people think that trauma is like some really huge, bad, really, terrible, really terrible, terrible thing. thing. But sometimes a trauma can be the smallest thing mm-hmm. that we, that like we internalize and it you in held a way on that to was yeah. very heavy. And I honestly think that like with our age group, A lot of us saw, like, 9-11 unfold. Mm -hmm. That's trauma. Mm -hmm. If you saw that happen, you have been through a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Like, that that changed everyone's world, and a lot of us saw it on live TV. Like, that is trauma. So, a lot of people will be like, no, but my childhood was so great. And I'm like, I'm so thankful for you for that, but that doesn't mean you don't have trauma. Yeah. And you don't have things that have happened. We've all been through stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, I really, I think that's all that I had. Did you have anything else you wanted to share, or just i I
1: answer your last question after I started talking it was like
0: did yeah just like okay. what is your giddy up and what keeps you going and yeah. you, you love to help people help themselves yeah and um you have we talked about um your coffee we talked yeah. about your UFT and I don't know if you want to talk about anything else no and I'm know. gonna be like I'll tag all your Instagram and all that so people yeah. know where to find you and because that's what you would want someone to reach out to you for a discovery call would yes. be step one
1: yeah all of my stuff is through Instagram okay
0: okay all right. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank
1: you for having me. It's been really fun to chat.
0: Yes. And I I feel like we've learned so much about <laughs> so many different things. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank y'all for being here. If you have not subscribed to the show, make sure you do that on the Purple Podcast app and on Spotify. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would leave a written review um, and five stars. <music> Thank you.